The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Good evening, good morning, and welcome. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here with me tonight. We have a terrific show lined up. If you've seen the introduction or the labels or any of the social media postings, you'll know that we're going to be talking about Bigfoot tonight. And not only are we going to be talking about Bigfoot, we're going to be talking about going camping with or for or about Bigfoot. Eric Altman will be our guest tonight. And uh, he is actually, in, in addition to many things, the promoter of an event called Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure. We're going to find out what that's all about. Plus, what is the latest in sightings and the search for Sasquatch or Bigfoot? Um what is he hearing? He is a uh, he's got his uh, finger on the pulse of the Bigfoot community. Plus, he does some other cryptid investigations as well. So we'll hear we'll hear a lot about what he's got going on um, when we bring him into the program again. Eric Altman will be with us in just a few minutes. Um, you know, I saw a commercial uh, before the show. I was watching. I don't even know what the heck I was watching. I was just staring at the television. I think, and uh, this uh, commercial came on for a film. That is called Yesterday. Has anybody seen this? Um, I had no idea this film was coming out. And I know that frequently in our chat room, we uh, we talk about Beatles or a couple Beatles fans in the chat room. I'm a huge Beatles fan. So we reference Beatles lyrics and we talk about Fab Four stuff. Uh, we share those things on Facebook, etc. Um, but this movie's coming out, which I, it, it, it seems really, really clever to me. Uh, it's called Yesterday, and from what I gathered, because I only kind of caught it out of the corner of my eye, and uh, then I realized what it was, and it got my attention, and then it was over, and I didn't feel like rewinding it with my DVR thing, so I didn't. But it seems as though the film was about a kid who's a musician who um, starts playing some Beatles music, and uh, the rest of the world has doesn't remember or never heard of the Beatles. So he knows all the Beatles songs and he starts playing them and becomes a worldwide sensation. And he can't figure out why no one remembers the Beatles or knows any of their music. So they all think it's his music. Um, it seems to be a bit of a comedy, but it's got some gr- a great Beatles soundtrack. So I'm pretty excited to see this thing. It's called Yesterday. And uh, it also kind of brings into... Uh, our discussion, the Mandela effect, right? We've talked about the Mandela effect on this program, and that's that's kind of an example of of what the Mandela effect is. You know, alternate histories um, for different people, and uh, maybe there's you know parallel universes involved there too. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that film out when it comes to theaters, or maybe I'll wait till it shows up on one of the uh, you know Netflix, one of those services. I don't I don't go to the movies very often, but. Um, it looks like it's really interesting, and I love the fact that it does have kind of a, and I don't think it's intentional, but it's got a bit of a paranormal angle to it. And it's all about the Beatles. Well, it's not about the Beatles, but it has Beatles music in it, so I'm excited about that. It's called Yesterday. Keep an eye out for it. I'm, I'm curious if anybody has seen it. I mean, I don't know if it's out yet. If Maybe somebody's seen it. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Um, as I said, we've got Eric Altman coming up on the program to talk about Bigfoot in just a few minutes. There are a couple other things I want to remind you of. Go to the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel uh, not only offers a place to live stream the program if you can't find a radio station in your area that carries it, but there's also an archive of programs, and uh, there's special programming there as well, some bonus materials. You'll find it by going to YouTube and just searching J.V. Johnson. Make sure you subscribe, and if you would, click on the bell icon so that you get notifications when new videos are posted or when we stream live, which is basically every night, Monday through Friday. Um, a lot of great stuff there. Also, swing by our social media pages. Go to Beyond Reality Radio. Give that a like. Stop by my page, JV Johnson. Give that a like. And um, the fa- uh, the website is beyondrealityradio.com. A lot of great stuff there. People have been asking me, though, where the Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug went because there's no longer a link on the web page. Well, we've run out. We have had to restock. And when they get back in, that'll show up on the uh, Facebook or on the website again, so you can order. It's a great mug. I mean, those who watch in the YouTube stream see this thing. Yeah, it's sharp. It's sharp. I happen to have pens in this one, but uh, it holds coffee really well uh, too. In fact, Orion came in here tonight saying uh, it's a coffee kind of night. Um, he that coffee would taste a lot better, Orion, if you had it in one of these Beyond Reality Radio coffee mugs. 
All right, so um, a great show ahead tonight. Tomorrow night, we've got Stephen Flowers joining us. He's the an author and a scholar, and he'll be talking about Nazi occultism and the shadowy secret king of Germany, Karl Maria Willigut. We're going to learn about him and who he was and why he's considered the secret king of Germany. And then in Thursday's show, we've got two guests, one in each hour, Cassandra Snow. We had to reschedule her from a different night is a tarot card reader, teacher and a writer, and she'll be talking about her new, new book called Queering the Tarot. And then in the second hour of the show, the uh, the uh, guest will be Chris James. He's an author and a paranormal researcher. We'll be talking about cases from his new book, Laredo Paranormal Research Society. And uh, then, of course, Friday night will be a best of program, as every Friday is here on Beyond Reality Radio. A lot of great stuff coming up. So make sure, like I said, you check us out on social media. Keep track of things as they're happening. We post a lot of great information there, including our guest schedules. Uh, I'm going to go to break now. When we come back, we'll have Eric Altman with us. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight we're going to be talking about Bigfoot with our guest, in fact, a returning guest and a good friend, Eric Altman. Eric, welcome back to Beyond Reality Radio. It's been way too long since you've been here, my friend. Hey, JV. How you doing? I'm really, really well. I think it's been like two years since you've been on this program. And I know our paths have crossed a few times. We keep talking about getting you back here. And uh, finally, we can make this happen tonight. Well, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me. Sure. Now, um... You know, two years is a long time in the life of a of a cryptozoologist or a Bigfoot researcher. Actually, I don't even sure what to call you. Are, you. are you a cryptozoologist? Are you a Bigfoot researcher? Are you a paranormal investigator? All of the above? Uh, kind of. Uh, I dabble <laughs> in a little of each. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty much known for the Bigfoot research that I've been doing for over 20, going on 22 years now. But I also investigate um, cryptid cases, strange creature cases, and, and occasionally get out and do a paranormal case as well. I know it's been a lot of paranormal conferences that you and I have crossed paths. Um, what is the latest in the, uh, I guess we'll call it the search for Bigfoot? Uh, what's going on? What's in the news these days? Well, the latest happened um, at the beginning of this month, um, probably at the, toward, towards the end of April. Um, it made national news where supposedly the Indian Army claimed they found the tracks of the Yeti out on one of their expeditions, and they photographed it and uh, hit the AP wire, and uh, it went crazy. It, it, it went, it went all, all over the country, all over the world, um, the claims that uh, they found Yeti tracks. Um, unfortunately, looking at the pictures, and, and several Bigfoot researchers, cryptozoologists would probably agree with me, they're probably not Yeti tracks. Um, they, they are very large impressions in the snow, and they're probably from some type of large animal that's been bounding through the snow. Um, they're definitely, they don't look like Yeti tracks to me, but I'm sure others have different opinions. But that's probably the latest thing that's been, that has hit the uh, newswire um, in the recent months. How many times are we going to be disappointed like that? I think, I, I almost believe that like social media was invented just to create disappointment along these <laughs> lines, right? I mean, we see these things, we get all excited, and then we look a little closer, and it's not what they seem to be. Yeah, social media and, and even the news media tend to jump on sensational stories, as you know, and give them a lot of credit instead of doing some due diligence and really researching and to find out if there's anything to it before putting it out. And unfortunately, that happens quite frequently. We get stories like that that come out, and 
they, they see the picture, they, they take the, a couple of quotes, they put the quotes out there, and they have, you know, the instant news, uh, big news hit, you know, that they want the world to, to see. And it's all about popularity, I guess. What do you take more satisfaction from, um, debunking a claim or finding a claim that you just aren't sure of and you can't debunk it, but you don't know that, I mean, it could be legitimate, you're just not sure. Which gives you more satisfaction? Well, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm looking for the truth. Um, I want to find out if this thing is real or not. And I, I do, I'm convinced, I do believe there is something out there that people are seeing. But um, it, it's satisfying to get an answer either way. Um, you know, either it's, it's a hoax or misidentification, or there may be something more to it. Um, I like those cases in general where there's something more to it, where you, you really have to dig deeper to see exactly what, what it is that the person saw or experienced and, and try to find the answers for it, not only yourself, but for the person who witnessed the, 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 the animal or the creature. So it, it's, it's almost like playing private detective or, or sleuth. You, know, you really have to do your, your homework and really study and try to understand exactly what's going on. How often, when you get a report from somebody who had a sighting and you go talk to that person, how often is there a, a sense of fear in their face or their eyes um, because of what they saw? Is that common as well? In witnesses who truly had a, a sighting of something they don't understand, yeah, you, you do tend to see that fear in their eyes. I've talked to many witnesses who have literally broken down um, emotionally from retelling their experience or recounting what they saw. And I think most of it's because not necessarily they're afraid of the animal, but more that they're confused. And let's be honest, this animal is not supposed to exist. It's not supposed to be real. To them, at least, it's not supposed to be real. And then they have this encounter, and everything that they thought was, you know, a myth or legend or a campfire tale suddenly comes to life. It comes, jumps off the pages of a book, and it's right there in front of them. And that, that really messes with some people. I, I've, I feel bad for people who've had an experience that aren't looking for it, because it can really be traumatic and, and change their lives. As you've looked at these cases, um, you know, we've had people call this program. We've had guests on the program that say that, you know, they've got a, a family of Sasquatch or Bigfoot uh, living in the woods across the street, and they're constantly coming up on the porch and taking garbage or whatever they ha- whatever the story happens to be. Have you ever uh, encountered someone with that kind of a claim that is that active that you've been able to v- at least not debunk, let alone verify? Um, I- I've had a couple situations like that over the years where folks have claimed uh, constant visits from these, these creatures, and a couple of them have left me really scratching my head as to what what's going on on the property. I've seen um, fairly convincing evidence that there is something coming around their property. Unfortunately, it's not conclusive enough to say it's definitely a Bigfoot, but I've seen tracks, um, I've seen animal behavior, and animal behavior is a strong um, indicator that something out of the norm is, is coming to the property, especially at night when you, we have a dog that's tied out at a doghouse or on a, on a lead that goes from being a brave, you know, fearless dog to whimpering and crying and hiding in the doghouse, refusing to come out. I've seen that on, on several occasions where the animal behavior changes drastically, especially when the sun goes down. It's almost like they're a completely different animal. And, and you and I know animals can't lie. When, when something scares them, right. they react. And, and it's fascinating to see something like that when, when the family's claiming they're having activity and you can see their animals' behavior change. And even talking to the eyewitnesses themselves, when you talk to them and you get to know them a little bit and you get to see their property and, and spend time on their property researching, you, you get to know pretty quickly if there's something going on there or not. And there have been a few cases where, yeah, we think there's something that's been coming around their property and, and continuing to visit, and we try to keep in touch with those people, and we, we strongly suggest that those people get any kind of video equipment, camera equipment, audio recording equipment to document these visits and these occurring uh, um, creatures that, that come around the, the property. We want we want to try to get them to um, get as much proof as they possibly can so we can move further with the case. 
Yeah, that was going to be my next question. In an age when you can go down to the local warehouse club and for 150 bucks buy a pretty sophisticated camera system, generally they're called security cameras, mm-hmm. um, but put a few cameras outside of your house uh, that generally you ha- have infrared vision, uh, it seems like we'd be able to catch one of these things, especially if they're that frequent. But then again, the question arises, once you have that in place, do, do these creatures recognize that that's going on and does it make them avoid it? Well, that's, that's a question that's been going around the, the Bigfoot world for a long time and a, a pretty active debate. Um, some researchers feel that they can see the infrared that's being shot out of the camera, that beam that comes out, um, or they can hear the, the hum of the equipment, or they can smell the plastic of the equipment or something that causes them to avoid these uh, security cameras or um, game cameras, any kind of camera equipment that's put out. We don't get really good pictures. If we do get a picture, they, they do pop up from time to time, but if we do get a picture, it's usually some kind of animal that's so close to the camera right. that all you see is a patch of hair or a patch of fur, and you can't discern what that is. It could be a bear. It could be a raccoon. It could be anything, a person. But, yeah, it seems to be, the, 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 for some reason, the general consensus that you put these cameras out, whether they're game cameras or security cameras or whatever, that these animals either stop coming around and there's no activity until they're taken down or all the activity just completely ceases. I should know the answer to this. We have about a minute before we have to go to break because I'm sure I've asked it asked you this question before, but I don't remember. Have you had a personal sighting? Um, I can't say definitively I had. In October of 2008 in southeastern Ohio, I was visiting some friends um, at a national park, Salt Fork State Park, and we were looking for other researchers just to catch up who, who were in the field that evening. And about 4 o'clock in the morning, we were leaving one of the picnic areas in the state park. And I saw something in my high beams for a, a fleeting glimpse. It looked like it stood up from behind the brush, it's a four-foot-high brush. And when I saw it, I, I just quickly stopped and was like, what did I just see? By the time I pulled my car back in to put the high beams back on that spot, whatever was there was gone. So I, I don't know what it was that I saw. There was something there, but I can't definitively say what exactly it was. We have a lot more to go with our guest tonight, Eric Altman. Don't go away. We will be taking your phone calls later in the program at 844-687-7669. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and save. Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV Johnson. Our guest tonight, Eric Altman, has been looking for, researching, and trying to understand uh, not just Bigfoot, but cryptids and other paranormal phenomenon. Before the break, we were talking about his personal experiences. And Eric, um, you had a, a kind of a, a fleeting uh, glimpse of what may or may not have been a Sasquatch creature, but you've had. Other experiences, a lot of noises, a lot of uh, evidence left behind, right? I mean, this isn't just about seeing something. Right. I've, I've been in the field investigating now, like I said, for over 22 years. And over that time period, um, I've, I've heard some things that aren't your typical wildlife, um, at least what I'm familiar with. And if I hear something that I don't recognize, I try to research what I heard either online or I contact friends that are either um, game wardens or park rangers and talk with them about what I heard and try to try to figure out what I heard and, and maybe understand, you know, if it was just a misidentification or something. But there have been things that I've heard in areas where there have been known sightings and activity uh, and encounters that really just make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Um, I've had situations where I've had things thrown at me in the forest where there's no other people around but our research team, and we're all there present having rocks and sticks thrown at us, (laughs) and there's no one else out there to do it. Um, I've seen large impressions in the ground, tracks with actual toes in them that look like human tracks, but two to three sizes larger than a normal human track. So I've seen enough evidence to convince, at least convince myself that there's something out there that's going on. 
And to top it all off, talking with the hundreds of eyewitnesses over the years, um, and like we talked earlier about seeing their raw emotion and them getting upset, I'm convinced that those folks have seen something that they can't explain and can't identify. And the common description that they're giving me matches what people describe as a Bigfoot. So there's something going on out there. There's something leaving tracks. They're, they're creating these strange sounds. It's enough to keep me intrigued and continuing to look for, for answers. Have you heard a Bigfoot call? Uh, you know, we've had people that have talked about hearing this really, it's a wailing noise, um, very terrifying from what I understand. Um, I've heard howls and screams out in the forest. Uh, on the same evening, as I, I mentioned in October of 2008, where I thought I'd seen something in that state park, about two hours prior to that, we were in a different location in the park, and we heard what can only be described as a very high-pitched, raspy call that echoed off a hillside, very, very loud. Whatever had made it had to have very powerful lungs because it, it came off that hillside, and it was just very loud. That's the only way I can describe it. And shortly after this thing screamed at us, the coyotes went crazy and they started barking and howling and they carried on. And when it screamed at us the third time, the coyotes stopped. They completely stopped. Mm. They're barking and yipping and almost like they were afraid of it too. But yeah, I, there's there's been some really freaky <laughs> situations that I've been in that just makes your hair stand up and makes you wonder what you're doing out there in the forest. Now, I, know, I know you've been um, all over uh, and you've investigated and gone on, and I, I hate using this word, but I'll say hunts um, in, in, in search of uh, evidence and sightings. Um, but is most of your work in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I, that's where I'm from. I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, southwestern PA, and I do most of my work in Pennsylvania. Um, for probably the first 10 or 15 years, I traveled the entire state of Pennsylvania looking into cases and researching. Um, but with the advent of Facebook now, there's so many Bigfoot researchers and so many groups out there that if, you know, if something comes up that I think somebody else might be able to handle a little bit better, I'll pass it on to them. So I stick mainly in southwestern Pennsylvania now. Uh, there's an area here in the southwestern part of the state known as the Chestnut Ridge, which is uh, home to uh, just un, unreal encounters, sightings, activity, not just of Bigfoot, but other mysterious creatures, UFOs, haunted locations. It's just a almost like a Bermuda Triangle, if you will, of strange phenomenon here in Pennsylvania. Um, how does Pennsylvania rank as far as sightings? Is, is it one of the higher locations as far as states go? Well, it's funny you, you ask that because just uh, about a month or so ago, there was an article released by the Travel Channel, where they, they uh, stated that Pennsylvania was number three in the country for sightings, and they based that off of a website, the BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Um, they went to their database, and they pulled 1,300 sightings in Pennsylvania. However, that's, that number is actually much, much higher than 1,300. 1, um, that's just from one website. You have to take in consideration of the reports I've collected, other reports of uh, other investigators have collected over the years. Uh, there's a good friend of mine, Stan Gordon, who's a UFO Bigfoot researcher, and he's been doing it for 60 years. He's collected hundreds and hundreds of reports. And, and as I said, not to mention the other investigators in the state that have looked into cases for a long time, they've collected numbers of reports, too. So that number's much higher. But to answer your question in a roundabout way, long roundabout way, uh, yeah, Pennsylvania ranks up there pretty highly. So in that particular ranking, uh, who was higher, Washington State maybe? Yeah, Washington State was actually number one. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it was either Oregon or California were number two. Um, Pennsylvania fell into their number three, and I think Ohio, our next-door neighbor, was number five. What is it about Pennsylvania that it's not just Bigfoot sightings? I mean, I would, I, I, from what I gather, uh, you know, UFO sightings, um, other paranormal phenomena, there's, it seems to be a high concentration in Pennsylvania. Is it something geographic or is it cultural? I, I'm not really sure because we've had the, the UFO sightings going on in the, the state for a long, long time. It's not just something that's recently popped up because of the pop culture. Um, it may be something based on um, the high number of uh, researchers in this state. that We collect a number of reports. It might be just, I'm not sure, but we, we've got quite a number of UFO cases over the years. Um, we've had the famous Kecksburg crash right. 
Um, we, we've got so many strange, haunted locations, Gettysburg, um, Pennhurst, um, so many different locations in Pennsylvania that are, are reportedly haunted or notoriously haunted. It's just a very very bizarre state it always has been yeah and you bring up a good point when you say gettysburg i think gettysburg alone is probably responsible for a major percentage of all the paranormal activity in the country i you know i talk to so many people and when i ask them hey where did you have your first paranormal experience uh, more often than not they say gettysburg pennsylvania i mean it's really that active it is, and you and I have both been to Gettysburg yep. at a couple of events together, and and I know I've 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 been out there researching and doing some paranormal investigating out there, and I had some strange experiences in Gettysburg that <laughs> that'll make your hair curl. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a very very haunted place out there, and a lot of people. Uh, they they travel to it. It's become like one of the top destinations in the world for not only the history but for haunted locations. And when you say you've had experience, you're talking about ghost haunting type experience. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I've I've had the, the Daniel Webster Farm. Oh yeah. Or the Lady Daniel Farm, I should say. Um, that uh, that that barn out there is is pretty creepy. And we heard things. We heard what what could only be described as horses. Um, Hoof sounds on the gravel outside, trotting up to the barn when there was no horses there, and we heard cannon fire. We heard, and they used that barn as a hospital, a makeshift hospital. And while we were investigating in the barn, we heard what sounded like male voices crying out in agony. So there was some pretty unusual experiences we had a few years ago there at the barn. So what made you turn your attention to all of this? At what point did you take enough of an interest in whether it's Bigfoot or any paranormal phenomena and decide you're going to dedicate a good chunk of your life to looking into it? Well, from a young age, I was always fascinated in horror movies, monster movies, and a really good mystery. I loved a really good mystery. And growing up um, as a kid in western Pennsylvania, there was a very well-known flap of Bigfoot and UFO sightings that occurred in 73 and 74. It literally was all, all over the news and the newspapers almost every day somebody was seeing something. So there was a, a, a history going on around me as I was growing up. And my parents would talk to me about, you know, hey, did you see the Bigfoot story in the newspaper? And it, was, it always fascinated me. And I was interested in it. I, I was looking through books at the library here and there, but I re- really wasn't neck deep into the subject until probably 1980, and I saw a couple of films, Bigfoot films that were released. Of course, the In Search of TV show with Leonard Nimoy was out, and uh, I'd seen Legend of Boggy Creek and Creature from Black Lake, and they just really propelled me towards the possibility of, you know, maybe there is some kind of creature out there. And I started doing the, the book research, the newspaper research, and I was just blown away by how many Bigfoot sightings were going on in Pennsylvania, literally two or three miles from my house. You know, I was growing up as a kid, and I'm like thinking to myself, "Wow, this there's a Bigfoot, you know, in my neighborhood. Is that even possible?" So I wanted to learn more, and I spent the, probably the next good ten or fifteen years educating myself, reading anything I could find, um, newspaper articles, magazine articles, books, and, and I was very fortunate enough to have my mentor, uh, Stan Gordon, who's I, who I mentioned earlier. He's from my hometown of Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was. <laughs> very blessed to get to know him and i've known him for almost 40 years now and uh yeah he's just an awesome guy and he he really he's been doing research for about 60 years in the ufo and bigfoot phenomenon and i've got a lot of my information and, and education from just studying his work you have um you know traveled a lot you've uh not only investigated cryptid sightings you've done paranormal investigations and of the haunting kind um what do you get the biggest charge out of um, to be perfectly honest with you, the, the paranormal investigations really freak me out. <laughs> um, I, I think I get the most excitement out of those because um, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I have to see it to believe it. And you, you see this stuff on TV, you, you hear about it from other paranormal investigators, um, you read about it in books, but when it actually happens to you and it's something that you walk away and you can't explain, it, it's a rush. It's a huge rush for me, and and I just I want more. I want to learn more. Yeah. I want to learn what did I just see? What did I just hear? What did I experience? And, and I keep going back for more. And it's the same way with cryptids or, or even UFO cases. 
when I hear about something that happens. I want to learn as much as I possibly can because it's fascinating to me. You uh, mentioned a television program that hit a nerve with a lot of people in our chat room, and it hit a nerve with me because it was one of my favorites growing up, and that's the In Search Of program hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, I think that program introduced many of us to concepts like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Alien Visitations. Uh, that, That was really a groundbreaking series. Oh, it definitely was. At that time when it came out, there was nothing else like it out there. I mean, nobody was taking a serious look at these subjects. Uh, of course, they were in books, and you know, there were folks out there publishing things that were, were being you know, read by the nation, but there wasn't anything right in front of our faces that really talked about these, these subjects and took them seriously. And to see a show like that, so many folks today can recall or relate seeing Leonard on the show talking about you know, a haunted castle in England or a UFO flying over... Um, Toba Inlet, or you know, or, or a Bigfoot sighting in California or Washington State, and people were just just hooked on the show. And even today, the shows run on YouTube, and there's a box set out of the uh, the whole series that, uh, for a long time, I think three or four years, was pretty popular. They were selling it, selling out of it when, when it was released. And and a lot of researchers who are active in the field today cite that show. It's one of the precursors of them getting started in the field. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. And that came on the heels of, or right around the same time, of Chariot of the Gods, which also was an eye-opening film uh, based on Eric Van Daniken's work. Right. You know, we were talking before the break about the television show In Search Of, and you mentioned how it was kind of the only game in town as far as discussing ideas like the ideas we talk about on this program, like Bigfoot, UFOs, other cryptids, other phenomena. And what people don't really understand in today's day and age is we had no internet to go to. If we wanted to learn about the Loch Ness Monster, if there wasn't a book in the library, we didn't have any place to turn other than maybe a television show like In Search Of. It's a completely different environment for people who are curious right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly certainly is different than it was back then. I, I remember, like I said, when I was a young kid growing up, the only really tools I had at my discretion were books in the library or pulling up historical archives or newspaper articles, magazine articles, you know, trying to find that stuff. Even back then was, was difficult, and, some, and sometimes you're looking for a specific article or a case or, you know, they didn't have the, the huge resource that you can go online now, like the news, newspaper online or newspapers.com and research and pull up that that article from 1962 or 1974 right at your fingertips you really had to do your due diligence and and really research and now it's it's available to anybody's fingertips they can become what a self-proclaimed expert just by pulling <laughs> stuff up on the internet uh, right on their on the phone that they're carrying around in their back pocket yeah I mean, it's exactly pretty, it's pretty amazing um we, we just have a couple minutes here but uh somebody in our chat room asked and it, it's a good question um i know we're going to be talking about the uh, bigfoot camping adventure but mm-hmm. in addition to that you've got other events and stuff presentations you'll be doing throughout the course of the next few months yeah um i I'm scheduled, I believe I'm scheduled to speak at the Pennhurst Paracon again this coming year in July. And uh, they're putting together an event in southwestern Pennsylvania, a haunted Paracon coming up uh, in November that I'll be lecturing as well. And I do lectures across the country, mainly in the East Coast, but I have traveled across the country and done lectures at, at various either paranormal cons or cryptid cons or for libraries, schools, you know, any, anybody that contacts me and asks me to come lecture, I go and lecture. I've been doing it for probably 20 years now. Is your uh, intention, or maybe you go both uh, directions with this, but is your intention to educate or to uh, instill curiosity, or is it just to kind of amaze? Um, not so much as amaze. Is I want to try to educate people that are interested in the subject matter, because um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So when I lecture, I try to present factual information, and I also try to present cases that I've worked at to give them an idea of, of what's involved in investigating some cases. So I try to educate and, and maybe uh, inform rather than amaze or entertain. We're talking with uh, Eric Altman tonight. We're talking about Bigfoot primarily, but there's a lot of uh, different angles to this discussion for sure. Check out Eric's website. It's ericaltman.net. And also go to PA, standing for Pennsylvania, pabigfootcampingadventure.com. 
com. You'll see a little bit more about that event as well, which we will be talking about later in our discussion. I just want to, just for a moment here, I've had a lot of people ask where Jason's been, and uh, that's a very good and legitimate question. Jason's in the process of filming a new show, a new television show that'll be on the Travel Channel starting, I think, in October. At this point, it's called Ghost Nation. It looks like that show, that title is going to stick. Um, so I think it will be called Ghost Nation uh, when it's done and when it get, gets ready to air. Um, but he's he's got a, I don't know, it's like a 12-week filming schedule, and he has been trying to get on the program, but the schedule has just been a little bit too arduous, so he hasn't been able to do it. So, um, you know, I've been filling in, or not filling in, but I've been holding down the fort until he can get back here, and then uh, we'll be back to normal at some point, I suppose. But anyway, I thank you for uh, for joining us. Our phone lines are open at 844-687-7669. We're, we're talking tonight with Eric Altman. We're talking about um, Bigfoot and other cryptid uh, phenomena, plus paranormal investigations. A lot of things that we're discussing. We're going to continue that in just a second. I do want to mention and give a shout out to the folks of Minneapolis and our affiliate WCCO News Talk 830. I actually uh, did a 10-minute a, a interview with them this afternoon. They were talking about the, a story that we actually read on this program uh, last week, I think it was, that the military and pilots are now being asked to report any phenomena in, in the form of unidentified flying objects that they encounter while they're flying their missions. And previously, the military was kind of hush-hush um, about all of that, and they didn't really want to talk about it or acknowledge it. Military's changed its position, and now they are asking pilots to detail these things and talk about them. Now, the difference here is that uh, folks automatically assume when you say UFO, you're talking about um, some type of alien spacecraft, but that's not necessarily the case. What we're talking about here in a military standpoint is just uh, exactly what the name says, an unidentified flying object. And in the age of drones and and other experimental uh, aircraft and, and non-manned aircraft. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the skies, and the military, the U.S. military in particular, wants to be able to identify these things so they can identify threats. That's the crux of the program. That's the official line that they're talking about. But we all know there's a bit of an undertone there as well. So we'll keep an eye on it. But I want to thank um, the uh, the host there, Chad, for having me on his program this afternoon in Minneapolis on News Talk 830 WCCO. Again, our guest tonight, uh, Eric Altman. Eric, um, you know, we've teased this uh, this event you've got coming up here, and I think I've seen on the website that it's sold out, but I'd still like to know a little bit more about it. It's the PA, as in Pennsylvania, Bigfoot Camping Adventure. What's this all about? Yeah, you're right. It is sold out. It's been sold out for about three weeks. Um, what it is, um, for probably, I want to say, 10, maybe 11 years, I organized and hosted something called the East Coast Bigfoot Conference. And it was an indoor conference, much like the paranormal conferences that you and I attend, um, where we had guest speakers, we had displays of Bigfoot casts and vendors and that sort of thing. And they were fairly popular. Um, And we we drew in some pretty big crowds and had a lot of response, especially for Pennsylvania. As I met, we we talked about earlier in the show, it's such a a weird state and a hotbed of activity for all all facets of the paranormal and cryptids. And I did that for about 10, 11 years and very successful at it. But I started to notice that Bigfoot conferences were popping up all over the country. And it was was becoming basically every state had their own conference, some – some states had two or three different conferences running. And I tried to think a little bit outside the box when it came to this type of an event. I was thinking, what would an interested person, an enthusiast, someone that was fascinated by Bigfoot, what would they want to do if they were to come to an event? Well, that's pretty simple. They would want to look for Bigfoot. And they want to hear from other people who've experienced Bigfoot sightings or activity. They want to try to learn in an event. So that's what I, I came up with. I came up with the concept of having an outdoor event, almost like a festival, where people can come and hear Bigfoot researchers, experienced um, investigators talk about the subject and have a couple of workshops run throughout the weekend where they can actually participate in those workshops. They can learn how to use equipment. They can learn how to make a plaster cast. They can learn how to collect any kind of evidence they find, whether it be hair or fecal samples, or you know, how to collect it correctly for the DNA aspect of it to, to get it tested. 
and what to do, what not to do, and also give them a chance to go out on uh, a couple of night hikes with us and, and go out into the woods and actually hike in areas where there have been known Bigfoot sightings and activities that have occurred you know, in the last few years. So I thought that was a really good concept. And while I was at it, I thought, well, why not give back to the community as well and instead of profit from a conference like this, make it a charitable uh, event where we've raised funds for three, three or four local charities in the area each year that we do the event and donate the money from the, the event to those charities. So that's how the, the uh, Pennsylvania Bigfoot Camping Adventure came about. And uh, this is our third one that we're doing now. We started in 2016, um, which we, had, we probably had about 250, 300 people attend did a second one in 2017, and uh, we had a large uh, number of people buy tickets for the event, but unfortunately, when you have an outdoor event, as you know, you yeah. deal with all kinds of weather, and we had some pretty nasty weather come in that weekend, but we still had a good turnout. We had over 300 people attend the event that weekend, and this upcoming weekend, we sold out tickets at the beginning of May, and people are scurrying around, trying, still trying to find tickets to the event. Wow. Um, so it's uh, we're, we're looking at an estimated crowd of well over 600 people for this upcoming event um, at the end of this month. And that's fantastic. They, do they all camp out, or is it just some day traffic as well? Well, we, we get some day traffic that comes into the campground. Um, some stay at hotels. Uh, we've got people coming in from all over the country for this event. Nice. It's not just local people. We do have our share of local people coming in, but um, people are coming in. They're, they're staying at some of the local accommodations, the hotels and motels in the area. Um, there are those who are camping at the campground. There, is, there was camping accommodations made available for them. And uh, there are a good number of people that are camping or staying in cabins at the campground. But, and we do get our share of day traffic that come in just for the event, and then they'll leave afterwards. All right, let's jump to our listener line, and let's grab a call here from Marco. Marco's actually in the Adirondacks in New York State. Hey, Marco, welcome to the program. Hey, guys, thanks. I, I mean, Bigfoot's kind of, it, it, it's weird to me, because living in the Adirondacks, I'm pretty sure I've seen him. I'm a hunter, and... One day I was in my tree stand, and I saw him. It felt like he was seven feet tall. I mean, I was high up, so I couldn't really tell. But the one thing that, I mean, how, how do you know if you've seen Bigfoot? I've seen the documentaries. But the hard part about it is that uh, how can you tell? How do you, how do you know? I'm, I'm, I'm no expert, and Eric will answer the question, but I would imagine if you see a seven-foot-tall, hairy creature, you're pretty certain of, you know, that it's not a human. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Eric? I mean, are they, are they hard to distinguish? Well, in some cases, they're, they're a typical human height, six feet, six-and-a-half feet. Um, the average height is over seven feet, seven-and-a-half feet. But, yeah, usually when you're out in the forest, and even in, in the case of a tree hunter, uh, hunting from a tree stand, looking down, it's hard to, to discern the height of the animal. And it could have been somebody in a costume. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But usually if you see something like that that's out of the norm of what you're used to seeing, whether it's deer, turkey, bear, any kind of common wildlife, and you see something like that, it's pretty easy to, to, to determine that what you're seeing is something you should not be seeing. What, Marco, did you, were you uh, confused as to whether or not it was somebody in a costume or something, or did you just not know what kind of creature it was that you were looking at? I mean, it was so early, it was like five in the morning. I mean, yeah. I, I, Probably a little I dark really, still? It was a little dark, and I mean, the, the thing that struck me was the smell. It smelled like you know, like a diaper full of Indian food. It was, it was gross. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, I was, it smelled like this yeah. guy hadn't showered and... Years, maybe ever. So that's and my my dog too was with me. And he was barking and yeah. never bark because he well, was you know, trained to be a hunter. So I, I was actually know. going to ask you if there was an odor associated with it because Eric, um, the stories I've heard frequently there is a very very strong odor associated with the sighting. You'd actually be surprised to hear that the majority of reports that we collect don't don't oh, encounter wow. a smell okay. or or any kind of odor associated with it. Some do. And they, they vary in, in smell from real strong musky odor, body odor, fecal matter, as the gentleman mentioned, uh, diaper full of Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we get a variety of different kinds of descriptions when it comes to smell and odor. And there is some theories and, and speculations that they put off that odor as kind of a defense mechanism. Um, I know primates have a scent gland that they put off. 
a really foul-smelling odor. Uh, it's, it's much like the humans have. We have body odor. So it's very possible that if you run across the creature that, that is putting off a smell like that, it could be for a defensive reason, or it could be just you know out in the wilderness and it hasn't had a chance to bathe, or it's covered in, in dirt and, and you know it's just not not kept up well, real well with itself. Marco, so there, there's a, kind of a variety of different reasons why you could have smelled it. Yeah, Marco, did it only happen the one time for you? Did you only see the, it the only one time, and I mean maybe it was defensive. The closer it got, I mean. It, it, the smell started to get worse. I mean, it was it, it was bad when he was far, like, kind of far away. But I mean, the yeah. closer he got, I mean, started you, to smell like an old lady fart passing through an onion. I mean, it got uh, okay. Did it did did the uh, did the experience frighten you at the time? Um, no, not not really. Because I I was, I was more confused. Like, yeah. what, what, is the yeah. guy in a costume? What, I mean, am I being punked here? Is Ashton Kutcher going to jump out and punk me? Right, I mean, right. I, I was so confused. I was. I want a deer. You know, I'm, I'm a deer guy. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Eric, uh, are the are the Adirondacks in New York State a, um, a common place for these things to for reports to come in of sightings? Oh yeah, there's a high number of sightings that take place in the Adirondacks. Uh, a very good friend of mine, a long term researcher by the name of Steve Calls, works the Adirondacks, and, and Paul Bartholomew as well up in the Whitehall area. Um, that that area is very well known for. Um, Bigfoot sightings and encounters. There was the famous Abair Road incident in the 1970s that took place where several police officers witnessed a Bigfoot um, just outside of town. And, uh, yeah, it, it's very well known for Bigfoot activity, Bigfoot sightings, and uh, I'm not really surprised to hear that you possibly have seen a creature up there. You don't know what you're missing if you haven't gone to the YouTube channel and uh, subscribe. Just uh, go to YouTube, search for J.V. Johnson. And if you uh, don't have a radio station in your area carrying the program, it's a great way to listen to the program live through the live stream there. There's also an archive of shows, past episodes of Beyond Reality Radio, hundreds of programs there, and some bonus content. Just go to uh, YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson. Our guest tonight, Eric Altman. We're talking about all things paranormal, including Bigfoot. And uh, Eric, we've got just a couple minutes in this segment. I want to go back to the camping weekend you have uh, music and you've got um you know speakers and, and vendors um you i think you use the word festival it really does seem to have like a festival uh, atmosphere to it yeah we uh, a few of the organizers and i joked about calling it footstock <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's really it's a family oriented event the family a whole family can come out to it and check it out well, those who bought tickets, I should say, could come out and check it out. And we have uh, 12 and a half guest speakers, and, and I get asked, well, why do you have 12 and a half? Well, we have a father-son combination, um, the father, uh, of course, being in his uh, early 50s and the son being like 11 or 12 years old, so they're going to speak together about the research they did. And other uh, notable researchers are going to be on hand speaking. We've got guest celebrities coming in from the TV show Finding Bigfoot, Cliff Berrickman, um, one of the leading scientific authorities on the subject of uh, primate anatomy and anthropology, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, will be joining us. And other, other guest celebrities like Ken Gerhard and, of course, uh, the infamous Mountain Monsters uh, Ames team will be there at the event as well, meet and greet. And so we've got live music, Bigfoot films, Bigfoot hikes, workshops, speakers, food vendors, vendors of all kinds. It's going to be a blast for everybody. How do the kids see this whole thing is is it is it the stuff of monsters to them or is it uh something more um i don't know what the word would be um just curious i think a little bit of both um, i'm amazed at some of our younger uh, generation of upcoming bigfoot researchers or enthusiasts i should say that these young kids know so much about the subject they they, they devour as much as they possibly can through books and and following the shows, and I get into conversations with some young adults, maybe in their 9, 10, 11 years old, and they're, they're citing off stuff to me that I remember researching when I was younger, and it's fascinating to see, and it's actually very encouraging to see these young adults getting into the subject and taking it seriously. They're, they're our next generation of researchers, so it's, it's very positive for me to see that uh, the subject matter is still alive and well, and, and kids today are really picking it up and running with it. Um, we've got about a minute here uh, before we have to go to our next break. I, you know, I, I, I see kids at, at these paranormal events, and uh, 
I tried to I tried to put myself in their position. I think I almost would have been too afraid to go ghost hunting when I was eight years old. But uh, there are some kids that are pretty resilient and pretty curious and pretty scientifically minded uh, that pursue these things. It's really refreshing to see that. Oh, it certainly is, and I'm just glad to see that there are children, young kids doing this, and that have such a, a positive attitude towards it, and that aren't really afraid of it. I know when I was a young kid. I was afraid of the dark and monsters and scary things like that, but I was also still intrigued by it. So it's kind of cool to see these kids doing it now and getting out there and doing what we're doing. Um, we have another segment after this break, but uh, you mentioned that the camping weekend is sold out, so folks can't participate this year. But is this this is an annual event. Uh, people will be able to keep an eye out for next year, right? It's an every-other-year event. Okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of planning and involvement uh, and, and costs that go into putting this event on. And, and after the event's over, I'm wiped out for a good yeah. year. <laughs> so yeah, I understand it's that It's every works. other year we put it on. <laughs> um, Eric, uh, we, we don't, we've got one segment here left, and I just want to ask you, and we don't need to name any names here, but there's been a lot of work done by other folks, documentary films made, things going on, Netflix, Amazon, wherever they happen to show up. Um, people making some pretty outrageous claims. Has anything you've seen in regards to any of that impressed you? No. <laughs> That's pretty clear. <laughs> no. I, I know exactly what you're speaking of, and yeah. I've seen the documentary, and, and we won't mention names, no, but um, I think that whole film is a farce. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a product of special effects, and and learning that the documented, documentarian um, has a relative that works in the special effects field in Hollywood, I'm not surprised yeah. when I found that out. So I think that video is a farce. Yeah. Um, is the Patterson film still the holy grail of uh, citing evidence? Um, it's probably one of the most controversial films, like the Zapruder film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's up there. Um, there's still a lot of... Uh, really strong debate as far as if it's legit or if it's someone in an outfit or right. it, it hasn't been conclusively solved however the scientific studies that have been done on it are really leaning towards it actually being a creature and not someone in a suit so yeah, there's, there's a lot more positive for the film than there is negative but it's still highly debated you um you look at more than Bigfoot. We've we've mentioned that um, mm-hmm. you know as a cryptozoologist, you'll look at sightings of uh, any type of creature sightings. What are some of the other things that are cropping up these days? I mean, we, we you know we talk about things like the Jersey Devil, Chupacabra. Uh, there are other well, uh, dogmen. What are you hearing reports of? Um, in Pennsylvania, we've been getting quite a number of dogmen sightings. And, uh, and Thunderbird sightings as well. We've, we've been getting Thunderbird sightings for a long, long time, but they're not as, as frequent as the Bigfoot sightings or even the Dogman sightings as of late. I, I just took a, a report from a turkey hunter that he and his brother um, in northwestern Pennsylvania had a sighting of what they believe might have been a Dogman. They were turkey hunting very early in the morning, and um, they saw a flock coming in towards them, and all of a sudden the flock stopped and, and turned around and started retreating, and that's when they saw this figure, this creature stand up, and they said it had a short snout, it had pointy ears on the top of its head, and it, it didn't look like a bear. It had, they could see its arms swinging, and unlike a bear, would you know, keep its arms pretty much out to the front of it, and these arms were swinging, and it was very, very fast. They watched it move from one tree to another tree before it disappeared. And uh, the guy was an avid outdoorsman, very well-versed in, in, in seeing black bear. He'd seen over 70 black bear in the time he spent out in, in, in the wilds. And uh, he knew for a fact it wasn't a black bear that he saw. And uh, we get reports like that quite frequently now, um, not just myself, but other researchers across the state. And I'm not sure, honestly, what to make of this dogman phenomenon. It's, of course, we know about the Beast of Bray Road and the Michigan sightings that have taken place in the past, but now they're starting to crop up all across the country, and it's, I find it rather intriguing. I'd like to find out more about it and exactly what we're possibly dealing with. You know, when people hear the uh, moniker Dog Man, I think a lot of people automatically start thinking of werewolf. What's the difference? Well, that's Other pretty than... much what people are describing they're seeing, yeah. some kind of upright walking canid. Um, and there are two different descriptions that are given. There's actually a, a, a dog that walks upright on its hind legs that people are seeing, and then there's this 
werewolf-like creature that people are seeing as well. That they're, that's what they're describing. It almost fits the moniker of uh, lycanthropy. <laughs> as, as, as odd as that sounds, that's what people are claiming they're seeing. And um, I'm fascinated by it. Um, I know there's a long lore and history of, of werewolves you know, going way back to France <laughs> um, in the early 1800s and stuff, but I'm just not sure what to make of it at this point because they're popping up all over the eastern United States and they're becoming more and more frequent, and uh, people are seeing something. So um, I'm getting my share of cases, and I'm hoping to start to, to build a database like I am with the Bigfoot sightings. What about Chupacabra? Anything? Um, I think right now the Chupacabra is... is probably one of the most misidentified creatures out there. We were, of course, in the mid-1990s from Puerto Rico, we were first introduced to the chupacabra as being some kind of reptilian creature with, with sharp claws and spikes down its back, and it looked like an alien almost, and uh, there was a lot of speculation about that. But as we move into the 2000s and 2020s coming up, people are seeing what they're describing. It, it could be a dog or canid with mange or possibly uh, a cross-breeding of dogs, like a koi wolf or a, a koi dog, a coyote and, and dog breeding, um, and, and creating this new type of species of, of dog. And that's what's being introduced now in the cryptozoology field as, uh, as the chupacabra is more of a canid-like creature than the alien or reptilian creature that was first introduced in the mid-1990s. Um, this probably doesn't happen a whole lot in Pennsylvania, but uh, there seems to be this uh, increase in the number of odd creatures that are washing up on beaches. You get any mm-hmm. chance to look at any of that? I have not personally looked into some of these strange either lake sightings or, or beach sightings where this creature washes up on shore. Um, I'm not sure what to make of them, to be honest with you, because I think by the time that people discover the the animal on the shore, it's pretty badly decomposed, and right. there's not much you can really recognize with some of these, these animals. And, and we also have to take into consideration a lot of the oceans that we're familiar with aren't really that well explored. There's right. so much of the ocean that, is, that remains unexplored and so much aquatic life that we probably don't even know about yet. So they may be animals that yet to be discovered that are washing up on the beaches. I, I just don't know. But yeah, I've seen some of the videos and some of the pictures that have been put out there uh, they're they're fascinating, but they could be common animals that we just you know don't recognize because of decomposure, or they could be a, a whole new species. Um, obviously, in in addition to your work, what are some of the other people that are on the cutting edge of this uh, this effort, this research, this um, watch, if you will, uh, that we should be keeping our eye out for? Well, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, um, he is an anatomy professor and anthropologist. Um, he, he's been pretty much the leading scientific voice as far as cryptozoology goes for Bigfoot. And um, he's, he's, of course, Grover Krantz was probably one of the first that was really involved in the, the study of Bigfoot. But uh, Dr. Meldrum has been involved with this probably for about 25 years now. And uh, he's really helped this study move along very well in, in the, the, a positive scientific direction by really taking a good close look at, at footprint morphology, the tracks. He, I believe he has over 200 casts in his collection from all over the United States, all over the world. And uh, he's pretty much come out on record saying that, yeah, he believes they're made by a, a living foot and they're not faked. So um, he is probably one of the, the most prominent figures in the field that folks should be really paying attention to because he, he's a he's a doctorate degree, <laughs> Ph.D. in anthropology and primate foot anatomy, and uh, the guy knows what he's talking about. So um, for someone like that in the scientific field to step up to the plate and really endorse the subject and, and say that we really need to take a, a more serious look at it really deserves a lot of uh, respect and attention. Uh, one of our chat members asked if there are any books that you specifically recommend uh, reading specifically about Bigfoot. Yeah, there, there's a book that it's, it may be hard to find. You might be able to find it on eBay or Amazon, um, someone selling a used copy. I don't think it's still in print. But uh, it was written by John Green, who was a newspaper reporter out of uh, Harrison Hot Springs, British Columbia, in the 1970s. And it's called Sasquatch Apes Among Us. And that's, that's basically become the Bible for a lot of Bigfoot researchers. 
because it's it's very well written. It's written from a journalistic point of view, and he traveled the country talking to other researchers who are interested in the subject or have been researching the subject. And it's something that I picked up when I was very young, and I recommend it to everybody to to get to get it and to read, and also to pick up a copy of Dr. Jeff Meldrum's book. Um, Sasquatch meets science. Legend meets science. It's a fascinating read and very well scientifically written uh, study of the, the phenomenon. So those are just a couple, but there's a lot of good books out there. If you do a, a search on on Amazon or Google, um, Bigfoot Sasquatch books, there are a lot of good books out there available for for purchase and reading. If someone was to take an interest in this for the first time tonight. Uh, and decide they want to pursue this a little bit more. Maybe go out into the woods and investigate a little bit. Look, you know, do hunt for a sighting. Uh, how do you recommend somebody get started? Well, the first thing I would recommend um, for anybody that's interested in is to educate yourself before going out. Um, take the same path that I did. Start reading about the subject matter. Reading books, magazines, newspaper articles. The history is very important. Native American history is very important when it comes to this subject. And you'll get a very well-rounded education on the subject before just going out there and starting to investigate. Because the more you know now, before you go out, the better you'll be prepared in the field. And the biggest thing I recommend people to take with them into the field is is good judgment and good common sense. Um, A lot of folks that are going out now that are new in the field um, seem to be lacking that, and they're jumping to conclusions that everything they find in the forest is made by Bigfoot, which isn't the case. These animals are very rare, and um, they, they don't have a, a high breeding population, so not everything that you find or see in the woods can be related to or, or linked to a Sasquatch. So do your homework first, educate yourself before you go out, and, and make yourself prepared when you decide to start investigating. And if it's possible, find someone in the the area that is an experienced or seasoned researcher and ask them to, to tag along with them so that you can learn from their, their techniques and their research methods. Now, your experience is a pretty good example of this, but when you go out, you're more likely to find evidence of a presence as opposed to the presence itself. You're probably going to see evidence of a Bigfoot before you actually see the Bigfoot. So what types of things should people look for if they're out in the woods, they actually do all the things that you just recommended, and they go out looking? What types of things should they be looking for? Well, the first thing you want to look for, obviously, are tracks. Um, and, and if you familiarize yourself with uh, common wildlife tracks in your area, you'll know how to discern what is or isn't a, a possible Bigfoot track. Bears can step in their, their tracks um, when they walk, and they can make tracks that look like Bigfoot tracks. So make sure you, you learn about bear tracks before you, you go out. But tracks are very important. Um, and you can also learn about the... The wild, uh, wildlife, common wildlife in the area, the plant life. And once you learn about that, then you can better pick out game trails that are much larger than a deer trail, deer trail or, or a bear trail. And uh, tracks are important. Um, look for broken branches that are seven to eight foot off the ground. And if you get up that high and start seeing a pattern through the forest, of, of, of a trail of broken branches, that something large has been through that area, and that might give you a better indication of what's living there. If you find stuff on the ground or low to the ground, three or four feet off the ground, that's probably a deer or bear, and you can easily rule that out. All right, so here, here's the million-dollar question. Um, a lot of new theories have been surfacing about what these creatures may be when we're talking about Bigfoot. Some say inter- interdimensional travelers. Some say there's an alien connection. Uh, are you, and I, I believe in our last discussion, you made it pretty clear that you think these are flesh and blood creatures. Uh, are you still of that opinion, or has anything changed? Yeah, I, I still lean towards them being flesh and blood creatures because they have to be, because they're leaving tracks. They're leaving, um, very rarely they leave hair, but they are leaving hair, and, and occasionally someone will claim they find droppings. So they're, they're, they're being witnessed seeing eating deer, eating deer, carrying off dead animals and that sort of thing. So I, I think they're flesh and blood. Um, however, um, as you mentioned, there are theories out there that people think they're interdimensional, um, they're related to aliens, and there are those cases, although be it rare, that people have seen UFOs in the same vicinity as a Bigfoot or even the same time frame as a Bigfoot. 
Um, I don't know if they're related or connected or not, but there are those cases out there. So there are a lot of theories that are floating around. I try to, to stick mainly towards the flesh and blood being an, a terrestrial animal than an, an extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial animal. But at this point, it's, it's anybody's guess. We, we don't have a live or dead specimen to study. Um, we can't see it in its natural habitat to study it and learn its behaviors and, and see exactly what it is. So it's open for debate, and it's still open for conjecture. Um, before we started this program, you sent an email to us saying that uh, you were a little concerned because there was some bad weather ripping through the area. How'd you, how'd you make it? Obviously, we didn't lose you, so that's good. Um, but how, did the weather treat you okay? Yeah, for us, where I'm at, we had a couple of severe thunderstorms come through, but I want to send prayers out to the folks that are just about 25 miles north of us. They had mm. tornadoes come through the area, oh, and they were reporting some pretty severe damage. So hopefully those folks up there are safe and no one was hurt. But, yeah, we've had some really serious, uh, severe weather come through our area in the last couple of days, and we're just hoping it's over with. Well, we're out of time, Eric. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program. I've given your website and stuff, but do it one more time for anybody who might want to follow up on your work or keep track of your appearances and events. Yeah, sure. It's uh, ericaltman.net. Um, that, that website, unfortunately, needs seriously updated. It's been a, a few months since I've updated it. But um, you can find a lot of information there, how to contact me. I'm also on Facebook under Eric H. Altman. If you have questions, you can reach out to me there. And, of course, our our event website, pabigfootcampingadventure.com. You can check that out and hopefully join us on our next adventure. Hey, good luck with the uh, with the camping weekend. It sounds like it's going to be a great success, and I'll be uh, sending good vibes so that the weather holds out for you, too. Thank you, JV. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend, and hopefully it won't be in another, another two years. Yeah, let's not wait two years the next time. Sounds good. Okay. So do I need to be concerned, Ryan, about this this thing where you have to dance in front of the camera every so often? Is that or is that something new? I don't know. I, I mean, it wasn't part of the job description, so I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> well, and, and listeners on the radio, of course, know nothing That's about right. it they until don't. now. That's so right. That's why that. I brought it up. Um, <laughs> did you hear my, me in my opening uh, segment where I talked about that film yesterday? Have you seen anything I, I've about seen that? the trailer. Yeah, it looks very interesting. Doesn't it? I, it? I mean, I didn't realize what it was until about halfway through it. And, uh, of course, I'm a huge Beatles fan, so the music... Music caught my ear, mm-hmm. um, but the idea that nobody knew who the Beatles was and this kid re- not did, and he starts playing Beatles songs and becomes this international phenomenon. Sounds like a, and it's a kind of a comedy. Yeah, um, it looks interesting and uh, British film, uh, and also notable f- uh, for casting an Indian um, lead in yeah, the lead role. That's right. Um, and it, it, it was uh, who did um, Hot Fuzz and uh, Sean Sean Pegg. Um, I just looked at who the, the director actor. was. Oh, he was the actor. Boyle, yeah. Peter, not Peter Boyle. What's his name? Peter Boyle. He's anyway. the guy that played Young Frankenstein or something. Somebody directed it. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. Glad you added to that conversation. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, everybody. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Tomorrow night, we've got Stephen Flowers returning to the program to talk about Nazi occultism and the shadowy king of Germany, secret king of Germany, in fact, Carl Maria Willigut. That's on tomorrow night's program. Don't forget to stop by the Facebook page, Beyond Reality Radio. Also stop by my Facebook page. That's just J.V. Johnson. And go to YouTube. Give it a subscribe. Search for J.V. Johnson on YouTube. A lot of great programs there. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll see you tomorrow night. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at J.V.J. Paranormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.